Hey there. You got a bunch of leads, but too swamped to make heads or tails out of them? When it comes to sealing the deal, you just throw out a number and hope for the best? Well, it's time to change that too. Welcome to the Million Dollar Pipeline Challenge, tailor-made for the home services and remodeling pros just like you. We're cutting through the clutter, showing you how to chat with your customers and nail your pitches and boost those conversions. No more guesswork, just solid strategies to grow your business. Tune in to transform your approach, and let's build that million-dollar pipeline together. Text the word MONEY to 844-949-1984. That's the word MONEY to 844-949-1984 to begin your million-dollar pipeline challenge today. Welcome to Blue Collar BS, a podcast that busts the popular myth that we can't find good people, highlighting how the different generations of today the boomers, Gen X, millennials, and Gen Z are redefining work so that the industrial revolution that started in the U.S. stays in the U.S. Mr. Stephen Doyle, welcome back to Blue Collar BS. Thanks, Brad. Hopefully you've been doing well since the last time we spoke. And today's topic came to me while I was thinking about one of my clients and how they're struggling to hire people. And the biases that go along with that. And I'm like, okay, why, why are there all these biases against different people and practicality or where do the common sense go? And I started wondering and going, huh, people grew up differently and we're growing up differently today than we ever have before for our children. And I guess I'd like to just talk around how the different generations grew up, what they did and how they, how they learned, how the on-the-job training was all about growing up and it wasn't necessarily on the job. Right. Let's start with let's start with the boomers because I think that's going to be the easiest one to kind of look at. Born shortly after World War II and awesome time to be a kid in the late 50s, early 60s with automobiles and hot rods and building booms and lots of different things. So let's talk right. about those guys. Yeah. I mean, you, you think about it. They had cars, they had things that they could actually sit in. They could sit in their cars and work on them. Like literally sit in the engine compartment, tear it apart, work on it, modify it in any which way they wanted to. They didn't have to worry about any of the electronics that we have today. When they got out of school, what are they doing? They're working on their cars. They're working on their motorcycles. That's what that's what people were doing back then. Or going back to the farm, right? They're working on the farm yep. and they got to fix the tractor or whatever it might be because you didn't come back and play Nintendo Switch or you know have a play date. <laughs> right. And, and when you really think about it, it was a it was not a consumer driven uh, mindset at the time. It was, you do the things you need to do to support your family, you know, go back on the farm, come hell bent or high water. You had the farm to work on and you had to get your tractors working because if you didn't get them to work, nobody got fed. You had to learn how to weld. You had to learn how to make things work in a way that wasn't going to kill anybody mm -hmm. and make sure it was a long lasting opportunity till you can get the tractor to the dealer or somebody could come in and do it professionally, whatever that might look like. And growing up there, you had all that common sense built into your daily life. You had right. your, you potentially had your father sitting there. Yeah. Don't do that. Watching over you, an uncle or other brothers and sisters that were floating around with you to, to support you going through that journey. Right. And that common sense piece was, it was built into your daily life. Mm -hmm. Don't do that. Don't do this. Does that hurt? Yeah. Don't do that again. <laughs> Love those doctors. 
exactly. You know, and that, and you were able to do those things. And, and then for like myself, start of Gen X, cars starting to get more difficult. Yes, I had my first car was a 1950 Ford pickup. Then I had a 69 Galaxy. And so to your point, you could fit anything you wanted to in that engine compartment. And I, my top toolbox, the top part of my toolbox that I had could easily fit inside the back of the trunk. I could take my toolbox, my buddy's house. We could work on whatever we needed to work on. It didn't matter. Mm-hmm. And then that slowly started to change over the course of time as technology started coming around. Right. But we would, we would be outside. We'd play, we'd be on our bikes. We'd, you know, don't come in until streetlights come on. Mm-hmm. Don't be late for dinner. Go out and find something to do. And you took risk to try something to know where that safety line was, where those things, opportunities for failure existed. And you learned those things through practical application, not through a book or not through schooling. It was through Mm -hmm. practical application. You know, so what about you, Steve? You claim to be a a Gen X, but you're more in that millennial phase. Oh, (laughs) no. Perspective. How, no, how, I mean, how was the mechanical industrial part of your life growing up? Grew up, uh, you know, in Michigan. Yes, my parents, you know, my dad would work on cars, but it was, I would say, you know, you're doing the brakes, you would, um, were you working on engines? No, you wouldn't be doing any of that. So like my first vehicle was a 76 Silverado. My next vehicle after, after I blew the, the engine on that, I so wanted to pull the engine out, but with limited funds, and no other means to do it, the vehicle was parted out and it was all sold. So then my next vehicle was a 76 Monte Carlo. I loved it. It could sit in the engine, you could work in it. You could... <laughs> it was great. But then once that car outlived its usefulness, um, then, I, then I bought another Silverado, but it was a 1998 Silverado. And did I work on that? Absolutely not. Um, it was something where I personally, did I enjoy working on vehicles? No. Did I enjoy doing the mechanical aspect of it? No. I felt it was a lot easier to go pay somebody to go do the service, do the work itself, so that I could then go do the other things that I enjoyed. Yeah, there's no feeling of having that rust drop in your eye when you're sitting underneath a vehicle. Uh, Well, you know, I... I learned early on changing brakes that that was not something I enjoyed doing. You know, I uh, smashed my hand a couple times. It was great. Um, learned all the new, you know, my vocabulary immensely expanded. <laughs> right. Even that part of it. How do you learn the new words? How do you make right. new words? <laughs> Having done that, did I work on that, you know, at an early age, at 15, at 16, at, you know, 14, 15, 16, did I work on cars? Yeah, but did I enjoy it? No. Did I learn some of the things that needed to be learned on, you know, how, how to tack weld certain things just to get by? You know, are you going to use a coat hanger to string up your muffler? <laughs> to, Absolutely. If you have to, you know, how do you do that effectively? Things like that. So, yeah, I learned all of that. But at the same time, during that age, I was doing housing construction. So that to me was more enjoyable you know, working on how building houses, framing, um, roofing, drywall work, you know, all the finish work, carpentry. That was way more interesting to me than working on a car to go from point A to point B. Put some gas in it, put it in drive, and then we go. Oh, because I didn't drive a stick. Didn't learn that until I was in my 30s. <laughs> oh, man, you missed out on a lot of fun. 
I had a neighbor who had a 65 Ford F100 that he let me use for a while when he broke his ankle. And I was coming coming home from an errand, mm-hmm. blew out a, a wheel cylinder. So no brakes, coming home for like the last mile. And <laughs> um, it, this is a tank, right? And it's yep. like, okay, yep. 25, 30. So you had to learn how to downshift and not do things properly so you could slow down. and Slow down, yeah. Mm-hmm. And when I parked it, it, okay, it was down a hill, parked it, rolled yep. up the fence a little bit, damaged the fence, but it's like, I got it home safely. And right. he's like, how did you do this? Well, you had to figure it out. Right. You had, you had to know those things. Today's world, I don't know that somebody could do that effectively if they didn't have those practical applications experiences. And my kids are the beginning phases of Gen Z. I made it a point to, okay, this is how we change a tire. This is how we do oil change. Because I wasn't doing that anymore. Right. Yep. I, I, I wasn't doing my own service work anymore because the cars and things mm-hmm. had outgrown that. But I was remodeling my kitchen and doing the home stuff, doing all the DIY projects around here. Right. Helping others roof or paint or whatever those things are. My kids didn't, they didn't want to do any of that stuff. Mm-hmm. No, I'm going to go to hockey practice. I'm going to go to my friend's house. I'm going to go hang out and play PlayStation mm-hmm. or whatever those things were. Am I guilty of those things? Absolutely. Was it society as well? Probably. Right. But I did give both kids opportunities to work in manufacturing to, mm-hmm. you know, summer jobs during high school to see what they wanted to do or not do. They got the summer job. They, they did it. They lived through it. They worked it. They worked it hard and they decided, no, those aren't the path. That's not the path for me. Right. Today, I don't think we even have the chance to provide many of those Gen Z kids opportunity to to learn and foster and grow unless you have a parent or an aunt, uncle or a grandfather or somebody that's willing to be with you side by side where they mm-hmm. got some place to go and do those things. Because the garages of the three or four cars, the motorcycles, the parts laying all over, those don't exist very much anymore. Right. You know, going back to the comment, though, you know, we worked on a lot of mechanical things. The generations today, though, while they may not necessarily work on those mechanical things, they're working on other things that we just say, you know what, let them figure it out for us. So there's also that mindset, you know, with the with the millennials and, and Gen Z, with especially with you know the industrial 5.0 coming on with or 4.0 with you know all the electronics and all the AI. Who's leading in that? It's the millennials. It's the Gen Zs that are actually leading us through that transition. Correct. The The problem becomes though, the ones that are in the decision-making scenarios, the hiring spots, that's all foreign and Greek. Mm-hmm. And they're scared. Right. They're scared and unwilling to change. And the industry 4.0 and the common sense around that is very different than the common sense of running a you know manual machine, running the saw, mm-hmm. running a Blanchard grinding versus five axis CNC milling center, you know, working on a vertical, vertical construction site today is very different than what was happening because you're not using hot rivets anymore. You're not right. still walking beams, but now there's the safety harnesses, all those pictures from back in the thirties and forties with all the high rises being built. Those guys were amazing. Those guys were awesome. Yeah. And not a single one of them was tied off. Nope. Cause they respected each other. And I look at that. I look at like sports today as an example in the NFL and hockey and other contact sports, the respect for the other competitors, I think is diminished and everybody's afraid because we have all the safety gear, all these other things we're invincible. We can't get hurt. Well, we can, mm-hmm. 
on a job site, we try putting all these safety measures in place. You still can get hurt if right. you don't respect or understand how it all is supposed to function around you. Mm-hmm. And that is a key critical component that's been lost over the generations. Because you go back to the boomers who had to, quote unquote, fight for that survival, if you will, only because it was, that's what the expectations were. Either you are able to fix your engine, your tractor, your car, whatever, or you don't feed yourself. Today, same scenario, but let's say it's millennial or Gen Z, can't fix your vehicle, can't fix your, you can't operate mechanically, eh, government will provide it for you. Why would you go there, Steve? Come on. We've said before on the show, we don't want to make it political in any way, shape, or form. And then you drop that. I do. Let's edit that out. Man, you're killing me, Smalls. Oh, I did, didn't I? I did go there. You did. But yeah, I, that difference between that growing up and practical application, I mean, that was just one of the things I was pondering. And, and it made sense to me as to why the 58, 59-year-old guy that's running the construction site, has a tool and die shop, mm-hmm. whatever it might be, is reluctant to hire a 24-year-old. Their worlds are completely different. Yes. Their expectations are completely different. And what seems to be practical common knowledge to the, to the boomer or the Gen X is not common knowledge or practical to the millennial or Gen Z. Correct. And the opposite holds true on the technology front. Absolutely. Yep. Those two things going both directions, somehow recognition needs to happen and needs to be fixed because you just need to have that happen to survive going forward. The the older guys need to understand the technology and the younger guys need to understand that practical application that we're not just safe in our own worlds and it's everybody else's fault and not my own. Mm-hmm. That whole respect piece, we, and I'm going to say we, you know, boomers and Gen X, we have a certain expectation a certain, we'll call it common sense that we expect that the other generations are millennials and our Gen Z have. But because of the different upbringings that we have versus the way that they have, what is termed common sense is different. Right. We have to be open to recognizing, hey, common. what is common sense to a boomer is not the same as the common sense to the Gen Z, is not the same as the common sense to millennials or to the Gen X. And we have to recognize that we probably have to spend more time with the other generations to explain what our expectations are, but we also have to reciprocate that and they have to be able to explain what their expectations are. What is their common sense that they have that they would expect from us as millennials, Gen X or boomers, right? We need to be open to listening to that conversation and start that dialogue and invite them in, you know, as we have uh, titled episode five, Gen Z not welcome. Mm-hmm. We have to welcome them into the environment and we have to begin to learn. Talking about that common sense piece, I go back to Busaris where one of my guys that I used to argue with in engineering quality many times, our drawings were built for internal manufacturing and you send things out to external manufacturer. Um, expectations may not be the same. No, they are not. Because what we may consider internally as acceptable, that's not on our drawing. Yep. Whoever's doing it on the outside only can go by the print. That's all we can hold them accountable to. And the how flat is flat, how round is round, how square is square conversation. Mm-hmm. It should just be common knowledge to make it that to make it this way. Right. It's showing a 90 degree corner on the drawing on this weldment. So just make it a 90 degree corner. Okay. But what's acceptable? 
90 degrees. Well, no, I, I'm not going to have a 90 degree corner at precisely 90 degrees on four inch plate that is got <laughs> 300 pounds of weld in it. It's not going right. to be 90 degrees all the way up and down. What's my tolerance? Yep. And until we have those, we are open to having those kind of the two-way dialogue or four-way, however, whatever it takes. It's just the common understanding that we have to sit down all at the same table and have that conversation and be willing to listen. I guess my challenge for our listeners would be to go into work, take time to go have lunch. If you're the boomer or Gen X, take time to have one of the young guys, take them to lunch, ask them the questions. How'd you grow up? What'd you do? What'd you learn? And learn about them. And I'd ask the young guys to do the same thing. Take take the older folks, invite them to lunch, invite them out to the floor, whatever it might be, and ask them those questions and, and work on figuring out where the common ground can be. Because at the end of the day, you're working for the same organization and that common ground should be happening and it shouldn't be a fight between us versus them. Exactly. Some great points, Brad. Thanks for bringing this topic to light today. Uh, I appreciate it, Mr. Doyle. And as always, our resident millennial Xer, so to speak, <laughs> um, bringing government into our program today was taboo. So, <laughs> Don't do that again. Don't do it again. (laughs) So until we get to our next conversation, have a wonderful rest of your evening. All right. Thanks, you too, Brad. Thank you for listening to Blue Collar BS, brought to you by Vision Forward Business Solutions and Professional Business Coaching, Inc. If you'd like to learn more on today's topic, just reach out to Steve Doyle or myself, Brad Herta. Please like, share, rate, and review this show as feedback is the only way we can get better. Let's keep blue-collar businesses strong for generations to come.